What's this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio? I'm Rob Paxton, and we're here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining me on the show this week, as ever, from the Devil in Eater, we've got Paul Whiteside. Looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond, Paul. Yeah, hey, Rob. Yeah, certainly am. Uh, yeah, it's been a good weekend, hasn't it, for uh, for Salford rugby anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be chatting about that. But, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the stuff on the show as well. Yeah, lots to go at, Paul. So, we'll start with the football and Manchester United. Nil-nil draw at home to Southampton. Obviously, Southampton are bottom of the league. So, at home, you're expected to take the full three points there. So, two points dropped. Yeah, it's been a funny week, hasn't it, with Manchester United? You don't sort of know what team's going to turn up at the moment. You've got the team that lost 7-0 to Liverpool, and you've got the team that beats Real Betis quite comfortably, and then you've got the team that struggles to beat you know, bottom of the league and ends up in a goalless draw, so... It's been um, it's been a strange week, but you know you've got to give credit to Southampton because they're they're fighting for survival, aren't they? They're a team in dire straits. They, they're desperate for points, and 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 they've come to Old Trafford, and, and and that's a good point for them to take away. Yeah, obviously, you know, with the Premier League and uh, City and Arsenal and United just behind, uh, obviously, we need to keep the momentum up, and results like this don't help the charge for that sort of Premier League top four spot. No, no, they don't, Rob. That's that's the thing, and you know it's it's tight, isn't it, around those, those challenging teams for that that top four team. You've got a cluster of sides that are just outside, you know, chasing it, and uh, you know there's an awful lot of games still to play. There's a lot of twists and turns to go, but United's form, you know, going before the Liverpool game was was pretty good, wasn't it? They were showing good signs of improvement. They were fairly consistent, pretty solid at the back as well. And that game is sort of scuppered things really now, wasn't it? In uh, you know a defeat and a draw. You know, he dropped um, what five points there now, so that's that's a big hole really to to make up. So uh, yeah, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight now to get into that top four, and it's going to be uh, a real struggle. Yeah, string of saves from David De Gea kept Manchester United in it as Southampton pressed. How important is it that obviously David De Gea keeps his form in the running for the uh, top four spot chase? Well, massive. You know, he's, he's a top keeper, isn't he, De Gea? And uh, you know, probably one of the best keepers in the league. And you know, if they're going to get into that top four, you're going to need your goalkeeper, aren't you? You know, clean sheets are, are a must, aren't they? And um, yeah, they, they're going to get tested, and, and teams are going to come. Teams are going to be desperate, like Southampton, where you've got other teams down there at the bottom. Where United probably got to play as well. Most teams in the league at the moment have got something to play for, haven't they? If it's they're either fighting for relegation or or pushing for European honours, aren't they? So there's um, it's quite a close a close season this one. Um, there's not a lot between teams as they're in certain areas of the table, so you, you're probably not going to get many sort of dead rubber games or, or teams coming who've got nothing to play for. Most teams have got something you know to, to play for in the, the remaining games, so you know going to have to be switched on and get back to that that form that. It was serving them so well until the Liverpool uh, debacle last week. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be a tough running. Yeah, Casemiro was sent off as well. Obviously, he had a great start to the season, but last couple of weeks he's uh, he's been sent off. He's been part of the team that got beat seven 0 He's got sent off again. So it's not been a good three weeks for Mister Casemiro. Not at all. No, it's um, it's 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 a funny one. That isn't it? red card galore there. So. Yeah, I don't know um, what's gone on there with him. He seems a passionate guy, doesn't he? 
Um, a, guy, a guy that doesn't suffer fools easily, and you know, obviously, it's frustration probably more than anything. You know, the results aren't going the way, and you get frustrated. And but you've got to keep your cool, haven't you? You know, getting sent off is is no good. You want to wind up copping a ban there and, and leaving the team short for the week after. So, so yeah, he, he needs to sort that discipline out because that's no good in this running. Now you're going to be needed. You know, every every sort of moment matters now, doesn't it? As they say. So, uh, so yeah, not not good. Yeah. Manchester United currently third, six points cleared off uh, fourth. And uh, obviously, we need to continue to pick up points. Obviously, a drop points against Southampton will be a problem if, coming the end of the season, it gets really tight. Yeah, that's right. I mean, at the moment, they're still in a good position, aren't they? Uh, despite dropping points recently, they're still in a good position, still in, in the third place, as you say. And... Um, and yeah, but that can soon be eroded away, can't it? With the, with the chasing team. So at the moment, though, they're still in, still in a box seat, and and it looks like they're going to, uh, to to get into that top four. But you've got to be consistent and uh, keep getting your results. Yeah, and obviously in Europe in midweek they beat Real Betis four one at home after obviously a defeat against Liverpool. The you know a couple of days before, obviously they did need to get back in the in the saddle, which they did quite emphatically. Yeah, good result in in Europe in the week, and I think that's just exactly what you need, isn't it? After uh, after a defeat like the, the one against Liverpool, you know, it's it's an embarrassing defeat, really, isn't it? You know, them sort of scores don't happen very often, and, and I think as a player and as a supporter as well, what you want is you just want to get back out there and play another game, don't you? And we always say it, though, we're only as good as your last match, so you want to get rid of that one, erase it from the memory, and, and get a result and, and move on. And and that's exactly what they did in the, in the week, really, and uh, got a good result, a good European result. And um, and yeah, and th- I think the weekend game against Southampton was disappointing. You expected United to, to sort of get a result in that game, really, against the Southampton side who were struggling. They're not scoring many goals. Uh, they're down the, the the bottom end of the table, and you would have expected United to to have enough in the armour there to get the goals that they needed to win the game. Yeah, Bruno Fernandez was fantastic. A lot of criticism for him against uh, in the Liverpool game, obviously with his petulance. Um, obviously, come back with a a good uh, performance against Real Betis, leading the side and scoring a goal. Yeah, that's right. That you needed a response there, didn't you? And uh, you know the Petrels isn't a good side of football. You don't want to see that, do you? But for him to come back and uh, and, and and score and whatever, uh, you know that, that's just a perfect response, really. Yep, Ten Hag was named Premier League Manager of the Month uh, this month. Paul, obviously, despite getting hammered seven nil against Liverpool, he's been you know a fantastic uh, month for him with three victories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he took that result away. You know, United's farm was pretty good, really, and you know the eleven points behind City at the moment with the game in hand. Those, those drop points against Liverpool and Southampton. You know, if you'd have won those matches, you're right up there challenging, aren't you? So they, they've just fell off the pace a little bit, really now, and probably, you know, that that dream of of, of taking the title is, is is probably gone now. Really, sixteen points behind us. It's that's a lot to make up now, and uh, but they, they could have been there or thereabouts if they got results in the, in the last couple of games. But but no, I think he's deserving of his uh, of, of the, the manager of the month award. I mean, um, the Liverpool game, as you keep mentioning, was a, a huge disappointment. It was just one of those games, wasn't it, where nothing seemed to go right in that second half, and they ended up chasing the game, and and you know, obviously you, the game's gone, then hasn't it? So I mean. He'll be remembered in that month for the for the good work that he did, and you know United's form was 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 good. It was top notch, like you said, three wins, and uh, I think he deserved it. So, where do you think Man United are in the 
the project of Ten Hag at the moment? I think he's done a good job, Rob, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm no football expert, really, but I think since since Ferguson's left United, they've, they've struggled to pinpoint the right man, haven't they? They've, they've brought people in, brought big big names in as well, you know, you know, blokes who, who've got big reputations and, and nobody's really been able to, to make the mark at Old Trafford and for me, Ten Hag has done, he has made a mark, He's, he seems to have gained the respect, this is me as an outsider looking in, gained the respect of the supporters, gained the respect of the players and and the people, the staff in the club have seemed to have warmed to him as well, he's, he's, he's he's I don't know it's hard to describe he does seem like he he's got a bit of an aura about him he's, he's got a personality and you know quite a likable guy and you know similar to Ferguson in a way where people respect him and you know that that goes a long way in football so yeah I think he's made a good start a good solid start and um, you know he, he could be the man to to sort of bring the, the trophies back and you know start building a dynasty again I, I think he's been a good appointment and um, he's done a good job so far yeah Obviously, exciting times for Manchester United, despite Liverpool defeat a couple of weeks ago. Two fixtures this week. Um, they've got Real Betis away on Thursday, obviously, after the 4-1 win at home. Hopefully enough to see us through to the next round. And they play Fulham at home on Sunday, 4.30 kickoff. So, obviously, chasing that Premier League top four spot. They need to keep winning. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, you look at Fulham. I mean, they're a side that are chasing European football. They're about eighth or so in the table at the moment. There's a cluster of clubs up there. That's a Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea. They're all up there just behind Liverpool and Newcastle. So they're going to be coming to Old Trafford fancying the chances. And I think they meet United in the Cup as well, don't they? In the FA Cup. So, you know, they won't want to give anything away. And that's going to be a tough game. The, the bettest game in the week. I don't know. Can you afford to, to make a few changes in that game and give players a bit of a rest? You've got a healthy lead, haven't you? But no, that lead could soon go. With, um, so it's a tough one, that, for uh, for Ten Hag. You don't want to get through that game against uh, against Real Betis. But yeah, a, a big week now where you expect two wins. Yeah, Man City were in action. They played Crystal Palace away and won one one nil. Alf uh, Haaland with a penalty. Obviously, the race is still on uh, to to bring back Arsenal obviously they won as well so it's all uh, very tight at the top even though Arsenal do have a gap yeah they've got a five point advantage I think over City and haven't they both played 27 matches but Arsenal were fairly clinical weren't they winning away 3-0 at Fulham you know Fulham are a decent side that's a big win for Arsenal I'd say more comprehensive than City's win at um, Palace really at 1-0 it was quite a nervous uh, nervous afternoon City were desperate for the three points weren't they they couldn't afford to drop points in that game so you know five points is still Still a bit of a mountain to climb, but they still got to play Arsenal, I think, in the league, haven't they? So that's going to be a massive game when the two sides meet each other. So at the moment, City are, um, you know, they're about, it's, it's between those two, I think, now, isn't it? Everybody else seems to be too far behind. But Arsenal's still in the box seat, Rob. You know, Manchester City have just got to keep winning their matches and uh, hope Arsenal can slip up. Yeah. Uh, City have two games this week. They play RP Leitzberg. Uh, on Tuesday, and then they play Burnley in the FA Cup on Saturday. Obviously, two big games, two big cup competitions for Pep Guardiola's men. Um, obviously, they need looking for two big wins there too. Yeah, well, Leipzig they drew one one away from home I think against Leipzig, so that's that's a tough game that at home. You know, and there's a lot of expectation and on the European competition for Manchester City. All eyes will be on them. You know, they've sort of failed. In that competition over the last few years, and they got I know they got to that final and, and lost, but that's the big. 
the big tournament that the, the big sides in Europe want to win, don't they? They want to get the name on the uh, on that trophy. So that's a pressure game for City in the, in the week against Leipzig. They'll be coming over here fancying the chances. And then obviously you've got Burnley at the weekend. It's at it's at the uh, at the Etihad. So you'd expect City to get through that. But Burnley and Old Mugs, I think they're eighteen points clear in the Championship. You know, Vincent Company's got that side playing some some good football, and they're um, they're assuming now for the Premier League. Aren't they? They'll they'll win that Championship, no doubt about that. So uh, so yeah, there's. There's the company factor when when Burnley visit uh, town, they can play a bit of football as well. So that that won't be easy for City. So uh, I won't write Burnley off just yet. So it's a tough week for the Blues. Yeah, realise it is a FA Cup weekend. So United and Fulham are is an FA Cup tie as well, Paul. So out of the, our sort of top two teams, who do you think is going to be a uh, you know competing for that FA Cup final spot? I'd expect United and City to go through in the FA Cup, but they've both got tough ties. You know, Fulham are a good football inside, and you know Burnley. It's a funny one for them. Are Burnley going to come to City, and you know, are they concentrating on promotion? I mean, they're, like I said, they're eighteen points clear, so they probably already got one foot in the Premier League anyway. So that that game against City is a bit of a free hit, really. They can come and and have a go. You know, come to City and have a go, and we know they can score goals. But it's a big step up going to 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 Eastland to 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 face City. So I'd expect both United and City to go through. And then if you look at the rest of the sides that are left in the FA Cup, I think you've got Sheffield United in there, Blackburn are in there. I'm sure is it Grimsby Town? Are they still in it? Yeah. There's some some quite lowly teams still in there. So uh, so yeah, if United can avoid City, it could be United and City Cup final. Yeah. Let's talk about Salford City. They were in action uh, this week. Away at Crewe on Friday and lost 4-3. Last-minute winner at Gressy Road that uh, gave Crewe the points. Yeah, disappointing result, really. Um, I expected Salford to, to get a win there in that game. You know, a bit of a topsy-turvy game, 4-3. Um, at the moment, they're still... Uh, you know they're they're about in the table, aren't they? There's still plenty of games left to play as well, but uh, but yeah, they'll be desperate to uh, to get promotion this season. So, I'm sure that or being around that playoff spot anyway. Mm. Louis Barry, Callum Henry, and Stephen Mallon were the scorers for Salford City. Seventh in the league, uh, four points off um, automatic promotion. The chase is still on. They need to keep winning, and obviously defeats on Friday won't help. No, well, I think in eighth place, we look at the table, Mansfield are a point behind it, but they've got three games in hand, haven't they? So, uh, they're, they're the chasing sides, Mansfield and Sutton. So, they, they, the pressure's still on. You know, you've got to get in that, that top seven, haven't you? And there's some big sides above them, Bradford, Stockport. You know, at the moment, you've got Leighton Orient at the top of the table. But after that, there's there's not much in it. You know, Orient have got a bit of a decent lead, haven't they? Carlisle, Stephen is 64-63. So, there's still, still automatic promotion still on there for Salford. You know, what are they now... Four, seven points behind the automatic promotion places and there's 10 games left. So there's still plenty to play for there, but you've just got to keep in there because the chasing pack, you know, those sides behind them aren't, aren't too far behind. And you're playing sort of two games a week now as well. It's uh, it's hotting up. The pressure's really on now. So uh, they need to keep getting results. Yeah, Doncaster at home this week. Paul, obviously a must-win game. Well, it is, yeah, because Doncaster are, what, six points behind Salford in 11th place. So they're, they're chasing the playoffs as well. They've got an outside chance. And what you normally tend to find in that league is there's always a team that comes home with a wet sail towards the end of the season and comes in good and, and, and pushes themselves into the playoffs, isn't there? So those sides, Mansfield, Sutton, Barrow, Doncaster, they're chasing it at the moment. So, you know, if Salford slip up, those sides are, are in there to take the place. So, you know, pressure's on. They've got to keep getting the points. 
Yeah, and obviously we'll be following all our teams uh, in the coming weeks as the season draws to an end in an exciting football season and hopefully we'll be uh, able to go through the ups and downs on uh, Soul for City Radio uh, and talk you through all of it. So that's all the football chat and now we've got a big interview with regarding UFC last night. Former Ultimate Fighter and winner of the UFC veteran Norman Parkey bagged an impressive victory at the Hexagon MMA 7 in France. He spoke to James Sweetman before the contest. Here it is now. Well, Norman, thank you for joining me. You've got a massive opportunity coming up on the next Hexagon show. But before we start with that, could you talk me through where you grew up and what that was like? Where I grew up? Um, I grew up in a really small village. Uh <laughs> I'm sure everyone knows of it more so because where Conor McGregor makes his whiskey. <laughs> yeah, so a wee small village, not too many people live here. Um, I'm not too sure what the capacity of people is, maybe like 3,000 people. So not too big of a place, but hey, you don't need 11 big cities to get the fight all over the world, do you? So, yeah, so... I lived here all my life, never uh, been back and forth to Poland quite a lot too, um, but I've, I would never move away from here. It's this is where this is where I'm born. This is where I'll die. So um, that's it. Well, all my life I played a lot of football. You know, I was quite into sports person when I was younger. I know I grew up. I played a lot of football. There was never ever really the uh, a boxing club or anything close by for it. There was one like quite close by, but I could never get the. Uh, left to go there all the time, you know. So, um, it was only really whenever I was about 16 or 17, around 16 years old, there was a judo club had opened in Bush Mills and I'd only found out about it through a friend. And uh, I thought I'd go check it out to see what it's all about, judo. You know, I know judo is all about just throwing people to the ground and the control, and, you know, fundamental, it's a good sport. But, uh, I never really, you know, once once I did judo, I never really wanted to try and be very good at judo. It wasn't in, in my mind. It was my coach then at that time, my judo coach had showed me, <laughs> I'm sure you hear the same old story. Uh, I saw a few tapes from back in the day watching the UFC and it was something like that there, UFC 1 and 2 it was. And I goes, what's this type of fighting? And it just caught my eye because it was quite interesting, different styles of sports, uh, fighting to see which one was stronger. And... We knew it was like either the classic wrestler against the striker, vice versa. But nowadays it's just um, everyone's solid everywhere. And so I did judo for about four or five years. Never uh, wanted to compete at high level. My coach wanted me to compete at high level, but it was never really uh, something I wanted to do. I just liked uh, it was a different sport, different hobby too. And... Uh, but I think it built a good base for, for MMA too. And once I started transitioning to different sports, boxing, started doing a wee bit more BJJ, which judo is not so much so, uh, BJJ and judo. Very basic grappling it is on the floor in judo. And, uh, you know, once you started to piece the puzzle together, then I felt more it was for me, this type of thing. Because you get the punch, you get the take to the ground. Uh, different forms of fighting just all together in the one arena it's what what I liked most I can imagine because obviously you excelled in judo within the national title you excelled in wrestling as well and then you start putting this incredible record together in MMA and then the call comes for the ultimate fighter and what was that experience like? 
<laughs> that was crazy how it happened. I don't know how the whole because I had actually signed the fight on the it's now the PFL. I had actually signed the fight in the World Series of Fighting. I'm sure you heard of that before. That was the name before it changed to the PFL. And I was signed to fight against, <laughs> funny enough, uh, the last fight I had in the UFC against the Russian guy. That's who I was faced to fight, Rustam Kabalov, in this tournament. And then the tournament was cancelled. I don't know what happened. It was cancelled. They heard it was put back a bit longer. And uh, so I was in Vegas training for about, what, three weeks or something. And was there on holiday too, right? And then... Uh, through a manager I had at the time, he had says, you know those tryouts for Ultimate Fighter and uh, back in the UK, it's for UK against Australia. So I come back and then uh, back to the apartment in Vegas and I try to sign online, you know, for the application, but I couldn't get it. And he says, just go to the uh, open workouts, you know, the tryouts and you can fill the form out there. So I flew back the next day, uh, flew back home and then had to fly back uh, to London from Belfast on that same day and go for the tryouts the next morning and uh it was it was hectic i was tired as hell and it was but i knew it would pay it off you know and whenever i got there in london whenever i got there in london i stayed with a friend in london the night before and went through all the trains under oh, london's crazy for trains it's mad it's crazy i didn't have a clue what i was doing so finally i got there to the open workouts and we did uh place was loaded full of people there was people everywhere and the people were only filling their forms out there on the day and then handing them in. So they get you, see you doing a little bit of striking, you know, okay, right, go to the side, then a wee bit of grappling, yeah. And then they uh, they break all down, you know, they pick which ones they want to go through to the next stages. And then we had to go through the interview stages and then if they said your name, then you knew you were going to be going into the next stage. And it got down to, I think, about 16, uh, 16 of us. Because really they wanted four welterweights and four lightweights. But there was eight of us each, eight lightweights and eight welterweights, and the only way to pick four of us. So they did blood work, blood, blood tests, uh, medical exams and stuff like that there. And then they just said, right, see you, go home. We'll ring you and let you know if you're picked. And I just heard through a friend, uh, a manager in England, he was saying something about, because I had some like uh, convictions record on my criminal record, you know, and I heard that they weren't going to pick me for that which was total lies because Ross Pearson, who was coaching that season, says to me I was the first pick for it. He picked me first. and But during that whole time, whenever I thought I was never getting picked, so I went out partying anyway. I went out partying and just thought, fuck it, I'm never going to get picked for this here. So anyway, I just went and drunk and partied. And then it was all weekend, phone was ringing. Monday morning, phone was ringing. I never answered it, never looked at it. And... Uh, <laughs> And then it rang again, I goes, right, I'll check it. So I looked and seen that Australia number, you know, it says Australia on top. And uh, I answered the phone, hello, and it's this girl, I, for, I forget her name, but she says, hello, this is such and such from USA, just to let you know you've been picked for the ultimate fighter and uh, in the next three, four days, you're going to fly to Australia. So <laughs> that's how that all happened. Uh, you know, if the tournament had happened in the World Series of Fighting on that time I was there, I, I wouldn't have been... 
going there to the UFC to fight Nolan Fire. Michael Bisping had a similar situation whether he'd be able to fly to the States or not. And it's mental, the, the turning point that your life could have taken at that stage. But you end up going, you're around Dana White, you're in a house full of loads of fighters who all equally want to win the competition as much. So what was it like being in that house, being in that atmosphere and being around those fighters? Have you got any stories from that experience? <laughs> loads of stories, me and uh, Colin Fletcher. We became pretty good friends, me and Colin Fletcher. I'm sure you know him through the fight scene. I don't think he fights no more. I've never heard from him in a long time, but uh, we became pretty good friends. And you understand that, you know, obviously, it's team thing, right? It's a Team UK against Australia, but really, you're there for yourself to win. You have to, you're in it to win it for yourself. That's what it came down to. So I knew once I had met Colin in the final, it would uh, step that bit to the side and then we, we, we speak after, no problem. But in the house was was good. It was a good experience. Um, but at the same time too, you know, you miss back home. No phone, no nothing, no uh, TV, no nothing. Just the training twice a day. And we were in a nice place in Australia, a nice big swanky place in Australia. We were there for about, what, six or seven weeks. I think it was seven weeks altogether, actually. And uh, the training was brilliant. I loved the training too. And... And plus you're in your comfort zone, so it got to test what you're like when you're under pressure too. And uh, I remember I was ending for a uh, semi-final came up and I had to fight Brendan Lochnian, right? And uh, Brendan uh, did a little sneaky move. Uh, <laughs> Brendan says, right, we're all the UK boys are going to fight each other in the semi-final, so let's just drink all tonight, we'll party tonight, and then we'll fight a few days later. So we did this, we started drinking, and uh, Brendan, after one drink, he sneaked off to his bed. <laughs> he sneaked off to the bed after one drink, and it was his idea. And then we went to, we were up all night, me and Fletcher. Um, we drunk so much whiskey, and I was sick everywhere. Started fighting with Australians, started fighting with <laughs> English boys, and it was mad. It was absolutely, at a time I thought you were going to have to ring an ambulance for me because I was sick so much everywhere. I drank red wine, whiskey, everything, and, uh, and the cameraman the next day says, hey, there's that guy that says, let's, uh, let's do the drinking session. Where, where did he go? I says, where did he go? He says, look, after one drink, he went to bed. <laughs> and I had to fight him three days later and cut all this weight out of my body. So that was a sneaky move, that one. <laughs> it is what it is. It was a very tough fight. It was a three-round fight. Uh, my stamina wasn't very good, but I did enough to win the fight, which, was, which I was happy about the win to get to the final. But... <laughs> I could sit and talk here all day about the Ultimate Fighter, to be honest, but we can leave a lot of that for another time. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty impressive to go on a bender and then come out and beat who is now the PFL champion. Oh, it was good. Uh, once uh, once we got to Australia, we flew back to Australia. Obviously, you know, when you come back home, they show the, the air of the series on TV, right? And people get to see the series, it all builds up to the final. Uh, we were back, we got ready for the final. I knew where Colin was good at. I knew what his strengths and his weaknesses were, so... I says the game plan was to stay on the outside and clench and take him to the ground and stay on top, you know. Control him on top. And watch for submissions from the bottom. He likes to do certain submissions from the bottom. And uh, I knew once after two rounds, whenever I had him in two rounds up there was, I knew, I knew he had to finish me to win the fight. And then, now that he was worried about the takedown, I could, my striking would start to work then. But, uh, it was an unreal experience, crazy, but the time's just completely flew in. I was just thinking about that the other day, the time, it's 10 years or so, and it's just went with a blink of an eye, to be honest, and 
going to do it again looking back on it. When I, I know they're doing the UK, uh, or no, they're doing uh, the ultimate fight at the minute, Conor McGregor and Chandler. Uh, veterans against prospects, I've seen this here. So, but would I do it again? Don't think so. <laughs> Don't think so. But hey, it got me, uh, put me on a good platform and helped build my name and helped me get to fight all over the world. And, uh, you know, you got to meet a lot of different people, train with different people, and and that's it. That's that's what you signed up for. That's what you get. Sounds like an amazing experience. Ultimately, you won that competition, so you got the UFC contract. You're fighting the best fighters in the world. You had a good run there, and also some frustration, because I know quite a few people pulled out when they were meant to be fighting you, Jorge Masvidal included. So looking back on that, how do you think you'd have done against Masvidal? Well, the reason why they got the fight with Masvidal because he was higher ranked than uh, than I end up fighting his teammate T Boy. But Masvidal was always complaining that two uh, fighters uh, he don't get to fight anyone higher ranked than him. They always give him like prospects to fight, and I understood that there, you know, because we heard he wasn't injured at all, and I think like it was a good matchup for me. But then this is hey Masvidal's out. Uh, you're going to fight T-Boy and I knew T-Boy was a tougher fight and I goes right no problem let's go and it's one thing I never did was uh, never accept a fight because they don't like that I remember Ross Pearson said to me never uh, never not accept a fight that they offer you because they'll put you in the bad books so whoever they offered me I'd always just says yes let's go and the times I've been to Brazil a few times fighting, I wanted to fight in Brazil. I actually asked, my first fight was the draw against Santos. I said, I would love to fight in France or in uh, Brazil. Could you give me a fight in Brazil? And then that's whenever that fight came about. So, but hey, that was a good experience to fight there too. And I don't know the city, the name of this place, it was Natal, I think. I've never heard of it before, but not Rio de Janeiro, which everyone wanted to fight there the capital, but um, it was a good experience. I enjoyed the fights in Brazil too, but uh, Masvidal, at that time, I probably, I, I wouldn't know, to be honest, if I could if I could have won the fight. There was definitely a chance he could have won the fight, um, but he was a good he was a good step for me for to see where I was, because I think he was a easier matchup than Tebow. Tebow was a tougher matchup, I believe. So, from the UFC, you end up fighting all across Poland. I imagine this must have been an incredible experience for you, because that's what you've been doing over the last few years. And these Polish shows, these Polish crowds as well, are pretty mental. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the Polish know how they, they fight, they know how to party, they know how to do everything. And that was the first fight I had there was that big stadium show they did in the football stadium against Gamrot, who's number, you know, who Gamrot is. And uh, we had a good fight, you know, we had a very good fight, some controversy on it too. So we go for the rematch in Dublin, same again, very good fight, nice pace. I had some damage to my face, but the, f the pace of the fight was very good. I liked it. And uh, ended no contest. And then there was, he was full out with KSW for a wee bit. I... I did some fights, uh, more fights in between for KSW, built up, you know, a couple more wins, and then we did the rematch, or the third fight, sorry, and this third fight, I'm just, I would have been better off just uh, <laughs> missing the flight and staying at home, to be honest, because I messed about with my weight, I missed weight two times against them, and 
I knew I knew once I was uh, after UFC. I knew like I was my weight was getting a bit bigger and I was actually just getting a bit heavier. And I felt like I wanted to move up. I says to them, I wanted to move up after the first fight. Could you let me move to welterweight? And they says no, no fight unless you stay at one fifty five. And so I was kind of forced to stay there. And I knew my I was going to be struggled to make the weight. And so I said right. I tried the third time. Uh, I missed weight by four pound. That's a lot of weight, four pound. And and then the fight was almost pulled. But then I got into the fight, and I I think I would have been better off just staying at home. To be honest, <laughs> I was a punching bag for three rounds, and the referee says your face is very bad, and my face was very bad. So, but hey, it was good, good scrap. I wish I had been, you know, a wee bit better. Uh, weight-wise prepared for that there and then we could have seen a more evenly fight most certainly but you've got another massive opportunity now you're fighting in hexagon mma in france a massive opportunity and how do you see the fight going you've got a tough brazilian opponent it's not gonna be easy is it well <laughs> i was actually due to fight a polish a polish guy first and it was fun i thought maybe they'd made that match up because i fought Polish people for the last five years I was thinking you know it's just a good wee market move but um, no um, uh, then the Polish guy I know him he pulled out of the fight and uh, I says no problem and he says here's this Brazilian guy so I looked him up lost a few fights in a row but um, he's still a dangerous fighter obviously still a dangerous fighter you can never even somebody's losing two fights three fights you can never look at it as an easy fight no fight's easy and you know, I'm not I'm not the type of fight fighter who goes in fights and just finishes a fight with one punch or this. I'm a grinder, you know, so it's uh I'm very, very strong that too. He's a BJJ black belt, he likes to throw punches, but it's just gonna see who's gonna have the more fight in them, I think, you know, and who wants it more, who wants it more, who's gonna fight more. And I feel now I free my mind I just want to I want to just fight hard. And they're very and aggr- fight hard and aggressive because in my UFC career, I did uh, freeze a lot and hold back. I never, always scared to lose. I felt like you're always scared to lose. And if you lose, so much pressure. Now it's just, uh, let's go, let's fight. Put on a good show. And I know, I know I'm confident that all areas of striking and grappling, clinch work, my conditioning for the fight's good. And if all them things are on point, then that's it. You'll win the fight. I feel I'll win the fight by this, by just being stubborn too. <laughs> you got to have some stubbornness. Never to give up, just keep pushing forward. You have to keep pushing forward in the fight, I feel. And I don't like being on the ground, uh, on the bottom of the ground. I like always being control of the fight. If I get take do- taken down to the, the bottom, I want to stand straight back up again. If I'm going for a takedown, stay on top, control, use elbows. I like to use elbows a lot. And I don't underestimate them, but I know I'm probably the favourite to win this fight, but I don't really look at it like that. I'm going in here just focused. Hey, this is a new promotion, a new place for me to fight. Different, uh, neutral. It's a neutral fight, you know, because it's not like I'm fighting a French boy or a homeboy. We're both from different parts of the country fighting France. So we go in, shake hands or not, and we punch each other's face in, then see who comes out <laughs> the winner. Well, you've sold it to me. It sounds like it's going to be a great fight. And it's a stacked bill. And in the main event, we have Aymar Gui versus Walter Gahadza. And Gahadza, a man who's been around the circuit for such a long time, is this his opportunity to become a world champion? 
Well, I know Walter, I've seen him fight in Bamba before and Bellator, I think maybe uh, um, he fought against uh, some guys I fought before too, so yeah, he's been around a long time, fought tough opponents also, and uh, so I've just seen that on the, the fight card that he's on the main card, or the main fight, I don't know his opponent, I don't know much about his opponent, but um, I'm sure I'll probably see him once I'm over there, or... <laughs> If I win my fight and he wins his fight, he'll probably try to make this match up or something, I think. <laughs> because I'm welterweight fighter now. I'm fighting, uh, moved up to welterweight. And uh, he, Walter's a welterweight fighter. And But this fight that I have next is just the catchweight fight. Uh, if it's more serious, you know, then I would have to fight uh, 77 kilograms. But yeah, I'll probably see some familiar faces whenever I get to France. I know I've seen some of the guys that are on the card. I know a few of them three friends of friends, you know, that type of way. And uh, we'll see when we get there. But I'm just going there to... <laughs> I'm straight and punch his face and then go home again. That's the plan. So you're going to fly home. I'm assuming that hopefully Walter wins this one for the English crowd and the UK crowd. And then potentially we can get the match on between the pair here, potentially back in Ireland. Maybe, I don't know. I've never really looked that far ahead, to be honest. You know, I just, uh, I've just been... Uh, think about this first fight here, you know, get the first fight out of the way and then think about the next one after that. In this sport, you can't look too far ahead, to be honest. <laughs> no, definitely not. Not in this sport, you can't look too far ahead, but I just focus on the Brazilian fighter first. You know, I want to smash him, to be honest. In my mind, I just want to smash him, that's it. Just smash him and shake his hand after and say good luck. <laughs> that's it. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's genuinely really appreciated. I want to wish you all the best of luck to your fight. But before I let you go, is there anything that you'd like to add that I perhaps haven't asked about? No, I'm fine. I'm, everything's good here. Just uh, everyone who pushes me in training. When I go to the gym, people who help me train, people I spar with. They're the people who help you get ready for fights too. Uh, my coach, who's always there, my coach Rodney, always in my corner every fight. I've, I've been to all over the world. And... Uh, and that's it. My sponsors, my good sponsors I have from Poland, you know, they still support me even though I'm not fighting in Poland, but they still sponsor me. And, you know, they helped me a lot when I was in Poland. So, them people, that's that's the people that matter. So, hopefully when I fight in France, they can make some new fans in France. I hope, I, hope I can. So, that was the big interview with Norman Parker. And uh, now we'll talk... Rugby League, Paul and Salford Red Devils, fantastic win for them away at Hull FC. Talk us through it. How long have we got? Oh, good <laughs> half hour. <laughs> yeah, it's a smashing win, Rob. Um, you know, it's a game that got off to a, a poor start. Really. Jack, Jack Orner making a mistake in his own half and, and Hull went over from their first attack, really. And you start blaming it's going to be a long afternoon here. And um, it wasn't Salford responded immediately. Dion Cross scoring a, a super track. Know, the ball going from, from left to right through numerous pairs of hands. And then they were unplayable after that. So for the, the capitalised on a, a Josh Griffin mistake. You know, Shane Wright, Wright went through, then Ryan Briley's support, and he went over. And uh, another try from Tyler Dupree. It looked like we were going to, we spurned the chance to kick the penalty goal. Uh, we, we tapped it and Dupree just went through, galloped away to score there. Another Shane Wright try before half time and a 30 points to four lead at the break. And it was, 
it was gold and rugby league, really, Robbie. It really was everything they touched turned to gold. The passing, the support play, was absolutely tremendous. It was, um, you know, we had some we had some good wins at Hull over the last couple of years. We got fifty odd points in twenty seventeen. We had forty odd in twenty nineteen. But this was something else. It really was, and uh, to go in leading, you know, there's a chorus of boos around the stadium when uh, the Hull side went off at half time. But you know, I think they, they, they knew they'd been walloped by a better side in that first half. 30 points to four, it was dreamland. Yeah, you spoke to Kurt Haggerty after the game, this is what he had to say. Right, I'd like to say Kurt Haggerty joins me. I don't know whether you expected that today, but 60 points away from home against a good Hull side, you must be absolutely delighted. Yes, very delighted. Uh, yeah, it's always a shock when you, you beat the Super League team by them kind of points, but with our offence with it's on and we're defensive nothing really surprised us we, we know we can put score lines on we, when we defence up and we aim up we know we're capable of putting them kind of points on you had a tough week as well you know losing Oliver Partington Joe Burgess your low on numbers you know you've come away from home and what, what was the most pleasing thing today probably the tries you scored or that resilience in defence because you were still defending really well when you've got 50 points on the board yeah I would say resilience because there's, there's certain things we're limited in training there's certain things we can't do that other teams can do so we've got to manufacture ways to try and find that, which is difficult. So when we put performances like that together, you see a click after the practice that we put in. It's pretty incredible, really, to watch the players perform. When they haven't got all the tools to perform either, it's quite incredible. Was it difficult for you last week? You put an awful lot of effort in last week against Warrington and come away with nothing. So what was the, the motivating factor in training this week? Was it to, to come here and, and do a job on Hull? Well, you know, our standards are very, very high. So for 40 minutes against Warrington, we were very good. And for 40 minutes, we weren't good enough. So we focused on some of the things we did well, then the things that we need to tidy up. But again, within training, with what we're limited to, we fixed up the areas we needed to. And yeah, we addressed that first. So fix up where we need to be better and go from there. Standout player today. I think Shane Wright had a, had a great game running out wide. Is that where you want him to be, running those channels out wide? He's a strong runner. He's got a bit of pace as well, hasn't he? He's very versatile, Shane, because he's extremely fit. He's very efficient. He can run a beautiful line. So in the back row or the middle, he's, he's very good for us. So we don't pitch in all the much moments in time. He's, he's very good wherever he goes for us. you got Wakefield, Trinity next week. They've gone three games without scoring a point. Do you... You've got to sort of take them with the full respect, haven't you? Because that'll be a tough game, won't it? Oh, God, yeah. You know, you can't rest any, any team in so you play. The thing is, you're looking at Wayfield, they're not scoring a lot of points, but are sticking in games for 40 50 minutes. They just want to string an 80 minute performance together. So it's exactly the same mentality as us at Hulley. We've got to play for 80. And if we play for 80, we're pretty sure that we can, we can come away with beating anybody. Do you look at the other scores from the other teams and think it could be wide open this year? Because everybody at the moment seems to be beating each other. I think if you find that bit of consistency, you know, Solver can do really well, can't they? I think it's the strongest Super League we've seen for a little while. I think um, across the board, everybody's got stronger. I think it'll swing and change again. Other teams will pick up where teams will drop off and vice versa. We've just got to concentrate on ourselves. Stay consistent, stay what we're good at. Keep tired of the things we're not so good at. And I think we, we, we could have a good season, yeah. Thanks very much for speaking to us, Kurt. Safe journey back, mate. See you next week. Thank you. So that was Kurt Haggerty, Salford's Red Devils assistant coach, talking to yourself, Paul, and he was impressed too. He was, yeah. It was... Um... It was well. Like the second half really was the same. We scored thirty points in the first half, and then there's not many teams will go on and score the same amount of points in the second half. But they did. They scored five tries, thirty points in the second half, and again the, the rugby league in the second half was just as good. You know, the Tim Lafayette try was was outstanding. Watkins went over Lafayette got two tries actually. And yeah, it was it was great to great to watch. And you know, talking to to Kurt Agatha before we press record in the interview, we were talking about the Wakefield game and. 
you know, that's going to be tough next week. Now, I know, I know Wakefield have not scored a, a point for three matches, but you can't afford to take anybody lightly because if you go to Hull and win and then lose to, to Wakefield, all that hard work's been undone. So I think they've got to stay focused now, keep the feet on the ground and and, and just attack that game and, uh, you know, and, and play it as professionally as they did against Hull. But, but what a... What a confidence-boosting win that was for Salford. It really was. And, you know, um, it just shows we're a dangerous side. And and I think he's blown the competition wide open. If you look at the scores from the weekend, you know, Lee beat uh, beat St. Helens and you know, one or two of the other results as well. You know, Wigan getting beat against Catalan. There's, there's, there's some... Um, there's some great stuff going on in rugby league at the moment. It's a real, real up-and-down competition and you can't write anybody off. So is that two wins, two defeats so far for Salford this season? Yeah. Where do you yeah. think we are in the process? Well, we could have won all four, Rob. We could have won all four matches. I mean, I thought they were pretty unlucky at Warrington. That that game sort of went against us and, you know, probably a few things conspired against us in that game. We could have won that game. I think the whole KI game at home, we could have won. We was leading at half-time. We chucked that one away. So so I think it's just about getting the consistency now. Um, you know, if you look at the whole game, and the whole KI game in particular, we tried to play that sort of Roly ball against Ulcaro and nothing came off. You know, we we dropped the ball and made mistakes, but against Hull on 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 Saturday, everything did come off. So you could try that again against Wakefield this week, and it might not come off. So it's it's a it's a difficult one. You know, sometimes the, the passes stick, sometimes they don't. So I think we've just got to keep focused, keep our feet on the ground. We've not won anything yet. It's it's a big win that, but you know, there's no trophies handed out in March and in February, is there? So there's an awful long way to go in the season yet, and uh, we've just got to keep working hard. We've only got a small squad, and that's another pleasing thing from the weekend, though. You lost Oliver Partington, lost Joe Burgess, two big names out of the team, but yet we still go and win by sixty points. So it just shows we've got some cracking players in that squad. Yeah. Like you said, Wakefield uh, this week, obviously they are struggling towards the bottom of the table. How important is it to Salford back up the win against Hull with the, another victory against Wakefield? It's massive because you're at home as well. So you're coming home to play in front of your home crowd on a Sunday afternoon. What you don't want to do is be the fall guys and get beat or make a mess of it. You really want to turn the screw now and win. Then we've got Wigan the week after and then I can't remember who we play after that. But you want to win the home games now and, and impress the supporters. Um, I'm not bothered whether we win by a point or whether we win by 50 points against Wakefield let's just get the win all wins are two points it'll be tough as well Wakefield all right, they've not scored a point for three matches they played four hours of rugby league now and not scored a point so they're going to be desperate um, and you know they've lost a couple of players to injury as well I think Lee Gaskell and Sammy Sony Lange have got injured as well so they're in dire straits at the moment but if I was Paul Rowling I was a Salford player I wouldn't be worrying about what, about Wakefield I'd just be worrying about us we've got to concentrate on our job go and do a thoroughly professional job against Wakefield and get the win. Yeah, the Salford Devils wheelchair team had their first outing in Preston in a tournament. They played Leeds, Hulkier, Sheffield uh, in a round-robin competition. Um, and uh, what a you know what a great time they had. Obviously, you know we want rugby league to be inclusive. It's great that Salford have a team uh, who you know can play rugby in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, we all saw the success of the of the wheelchair rugby league in the World Cup, and 
you know, everybody um, thoroughly enjoyed that, and it's good to see that we've got that team now as well, and we can get involved in wheelchair rugby league. So, yeah, it's a great start. I'm sure everybody enjoyed it who got involved with it. And uh, like you said, with the ladies' team, we were talking on the podcast one way last week. It's grown arms and legs, hasn't it? So let's hope the same thing happens with the wheelchair rugby league. Now, I'm sure it will do. You know, the club will be backing it as well, and um, you know, the, the local community and. The Salford supporters as well, so it's a great start, and uh, yeah, there'll be more to come, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's great. Obviously, the Salford Devil Foundation do fantastic, fantastic stuff in the community, and obviously, having a wheelchair team, having a ladies' team, having a physical disability team, having a learned disability team opens up rugby league to everybody, which is what we need, obviously, for the people in the community to feel like they're part of the club. Yeah, of course you do, and if the, if you want to grow your your club. Grow your crowd and um, you know, grow everything in the community. That's what you need to do. Make it inclusive for everybody. So, you know, the, the club has has done tremendous work over the last couple of years, um, off the field as well as on the pitch as well with some great performances. But we've we've transformed ourselves. I think you're getting that that sort of respect of other clubs now. We're no longer the the, the rubbing rags that everybody thought we were. And yeah, we've not got as much money as some of the other teams and what have you. But I think we're uh, we're punching we're punching well above our weight at the moment, gaining respect. And uh, you've only got to look at the way you know the players, the adulation they've got for the supporters on, on Saturday. Whole you know that relationship between the players and the fans, the way they stay behind at the end of the game, and that's that's making memories that and and the, and the wheelchair stuff as well. And like you said, the learning disabilities team, physical disabilities team, everybody's buying into it now, and um, it's great to see so many happy faces at the matches. And uh, you know, uh, long may it continue. Yeah, talking about the ladies, they're in action this week at the AJ Bell Community Pitches after the Wakefield game. They're playing Barrow in their latest pre-season outing. Obviously, they lost to Wigan a couple of weeks ago, but another opportunity to build fitness and get ready for the big kickoff in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, that's right, that's right, and it's nice to see them playing uh, back at the, at the Salford Stadium. You know, we've got Salford playing Wakefield, haven't we? And uh, it'd be great for people to stay behind and, and watch that game as well. So, I think it's brilliant when you've got the two teams playing in the same area, you know, the same ground. Um, you know, it makes it a real festival, the rugby league. So, so yeah, they've got you know a few more weeks to go before their season starts. But this is the ideal opportunity now to, to sort of sharpen your tools and get your um, get your drills together and get your positioning together and your combinations and what have you. So I'm sure they'll be working well on uh, on Sunday and, and it'll be great to see you know, people staying behind and, and watching that afterwards because you'll be entertained. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, talking about the ladies. They made a signing this week. Emerald Hickey signed uh, to play this season in Super League. Um, Ex-Lancaster University play for Southport as well. Big prop forward will give plenty of uh, goal forward in that pack. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And, you know, she's got experience as well, as you said there, played before. Know for other clubs and you know bringing that experience in now to the the Salford ladies team and you know you can never have enough uh, experience in your side can you so uh, yeah good signing for us and uh, be great to see how she gets on yeah makes you wonder like this the step up from uh, Championship to Super League two is vast because obviously in the Super League two you're playing with the elite and uh, it'll be interesting to see how our ladies compete at that level. It will, it will, Rob. I've got every confidence in them. You know, they, they they come on leaps and bounds last season from you know from the start. They played Swinton, and 
you know, the, the confidence grew week on week, didn't it? So um, I'm sure it'll be the same this time. I mean, that's why it's important that these uh, these preseason games, you get through those and, and you iron things out and, and get yourself ready for for this, this Super League season to start because it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough test. They might not have everything go the way. There might be ups and downs along the way. There might be defeats along the way. And, and it's how you bounce back from them and learn from them. So it's going to be a tough season. There's no doubt about that. And I'm sure they're all ready for that as well. So... Uh, but, uh, but no, I think they'll, they'll, they'll have some success, there's no doubt. Yeah, the club announced early in the week that Dan Sargent has left. Obviously not been playing for the last few weeks. Uh, we wish Dan well. He's, he was you know fantastic for us over the last couple of seasons. Uh, 28 appearances, 5 tries. They always gave us that edge when he played. He had a few disciplinary problems. He was suspended quite a lot. But we do wish him well in the next uh, part of his career. Yeah, I don't. I think it's a shame, really, because we've probably not had the best out of out of Dan Sargent. Really, he's, he's a super player, you know, really hundred percent. You know, he takes the ball, and he runs in at breakneck speed, doesn't he? And um, you know, he always gave his all for the for the club, and you know, and played a big part in his getting to Wembley as well. And then obviously, couldn't play in that in the in the cup final, which was which was a real shame for him. But uh, but no, I think he'd be missed at Salford, and I hope he moves on and, and gets another club and continues in the sport. I'm not so sure what went on with it with his time at Salford. I don't I don't really know. But uh, but yeah, it's a shame. Like you said, he suffered with injuries, he suffered with suspension and things like that. So wherever he moves on, good luck to him because he's a, he's a smashing lad. Obviously, now with Dan Sargent departing, possibly. Uh, a bit of cash for Paul Rally to, to reinvest in the squad. He does talk about no cash, but it's, it might be different now. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. I know, um, didn't Jake Mamo get released by Castleford? Mm-hmm. So he's knocking about, so he might be a player we could look at. But at the moment, if we probably be forwards we're looking at for, really. I mean, in the backs, we're not too bad. We're quite well covered. I think, you know, it's forwards where we've had quite a few injuries, haven't we, of late? You know, Alex Gerrard getting injured. And one or two of the others who've not played so far this season, James Green with Ben Ellie. Well, we've not we're quite low at Andrew Dixon as well. I think we're quite low on numbers in the forwards, aren't we? So if we could get somebody on loan or or permanent, I think that'd be where we'll be looking at really. So uh, we'll have to watch this space and see if it has freed up some cash. Mm. Let's talk about our other clubs, Swinton Lions. They were in action this week and in the Challenge Cup they lost to Barrow, thirty-two points to fourteen. A tough place to go, Barrow, obviously, but it's disappointing, obviously, they weren't able to get through to that next round because it would have given Swinton an extra boost financially. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough place to go, Barrow. There's no doubt about that. They've got some quality players in their side as well. You know, Jared Samets up there playing for Barrow and one or two others. They're, they're, they're a difficult team to play against. And, you know, it was always going to be a tough match, you know, whether wasn't so clever at the weekend. So, disappointing for Swinton, though. They would have been expected to... I don't know. I think the bookies were, were had Barrow as firm favourites, but uh, you know, Swinton will be disappointed they've not got through to the next round. As you said, there there could have been money spinning matches against uh, you know bigger side. You know, obviously, a derby against Salford would have been would have been great if we could have got them in the Challenge Cup. But no, it, it's never nice to get knocked out of the cup, is it? So uh, so they'll be disappointed about that. Yeah, two tries for Rodney Lloyd. You know, continuing his good form, really important player for Swinton Lions. Yeah, he's one of their. Um, Sort of talisman, is it? Rod, Rod Rilard, really, probably one of their uh, senior players now. He's been there for a long time, hasn't he? So, uh, so uh, international player as well, Welsh international player, and he's one player that the, the, the rest of the lads can look up to. But, you know, it's a setback for Swindon. Um, it is. They've had some some good results this season. They've had one or two disappointing results. It's been a bit of an up and down season for them so far. But, but no, disappointing to go out of the cup. There's no doubt about that. 
Yep. They're at home to Featherstone this week. Obviously, Featherstone, big spenders in the championship. Uh, but at Haywood Road, opportunity to, to try and push them and see what happens. Well, they were beaten in the Challenge Cup, weren't they, at the weekend, Featherstone? They were shot by Halifax at home. You know, a late try. Dufre, the uh, Frenchman, scored a late try for Halifax. So, they knocked Featherstone out 22-18. So, that was a, a real shock. So, that could um, could work against Winton, though, because they'll probably be bouncing back this weekend and looking for a response. Um, Sean Long's Featherstone Rovers. So, so yeah, they're going to be tough. They've got some good players, haven't they? And, uh, you know, trying to get back up into Super League. But, no, Swindon at home. They're a tough side to play at home. And, um, and yeah, they're the sort of test you want. I'm sure Featherstone bring a good away support. It'll be a good atmosphere at Haywood Road. And that's what you're in the Championship for, right? You just test yourself against the best. So, you know, you don't get much uh, bigger than Featherstone Rovers. No, obviously, you know, both our sides looking for victories. Hopefully, we'll get a big crowd as well, obviously, at both games, because both teams need the support. They certainly do, yeah. I think Swinton's crowds have been pretty good this season, from from what I've read down at Haywood Road. And, you know, um, they'll probably get a good away following from Featherstone down there. Same for Salford on Sunday. I don't think Wakefield are the biggest biggest follow club, are they? So, but you'd expect Salford to get a good crowd now for Sunday. We market this now. It's, it's Mother's Day. I think they're doing things for, for Mother's Day, aren't they, as well? Um, you've had, you come in on the back of a, a great win at Hull. You know, people who watched it on the Our League app and who didn't go, you know, um, surely you'll be you'll be desperate to get down there this weekend because some of the tries, some of the rugby, I mean, it's great, it's breathtaking to watch. I mean, that's what you watch rugby league for, don't you? I mean, you can wait years to see rugby league like that. So, um, so yeah, let's hope both sides get a good crowd this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be super excited. Obviously, with about a minute to go uh, now, Paul, uh, news broke this weekend that Sam Tompkins is to retire. What a you know style what he's been in rugby league. Yeah, he certainly has. Yeah, and um, it was surprised really. I didn't think he was ready for retiring yet. I didn't realise he was thirty three year old. But uh, but yeah, he's been a, been a top player for Wigan and international wise as well. But he's built a life in France, hasn't he? And uh, become one of their favourites over there. I didn't realise how long he'd been there now at Catalans. He's been a super player for them, and they've made a really good start to the season as well, haven't they? Four from four. Yeah. And obviously, Man of Steel in uh, 2012 and 2021 as well. So, quality throughout the year with 30 seconds to go. Yeah, quality player. Quality player. And I, th- I think Catalans will have a... I think they'll be up there this season. They'll be up in that, that those playoffs as well. And they'll be looking to go out a winner, won't he, in, uh, in 2023? Yeah. Played for Wigan, played for Catalan. Oh, that's a spell in uh, New Zealand, uh, which is great. Obviously, you know, in part in our players uh, with 20 seconds to go are able to watch Australia improve. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I know Will Price is going there next season, the uh, Huddersfield Giants player, and he's uh, looking good as well. So, yeah, it's good to see players go over there and test themselves. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, obviously, with everything going in rugby league. We're going to be uh, thrilled to, to be following it on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. So, big thanks for tuning in to this week's uh, Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkinson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. 